Welcome to What's Your Beef, a Beef Australia production. Each week we will introduce you to people living and working in the beef community and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic triannual event. Hello, this is What's Your Beef and I'm Jane Cudahy. While Beef 24 may seem like a long-term plan to many people, the truth is the hard work started before the dust settled on Beef 21. The Next Gen Committee is one of the cornerstones of the Beef event and while the committee itself is in the very early stages of formation, it's already attracted an exciting cohort. Callan Daly is one of them. With a real passion for the beef industry formed during a childhood on a Western Queensland cattle property, Callan has gone on to represent the industry in a range of roles, including his most recent as the field and operations lead for MEQ Probe, or Meat Eating Quality Probe, a startup aimed at building consistency in meat eating quality. Describe your childhood to me. What was, what was it like growing up around Longreach as you did? And I think you had a few different properties around the place too. Yeah, childhood was uh, probably pretty standard for most um, kids that grew up in the area um, or even just in central Queensland, you know, kind of standard, uh, went to a very small primary school. Sometimes there was as few as three kids, which was my brother and I and the kid who lived on the property. Um, It was half an hour away from our farm and my mum would always drive us there and drop us off and then drive back and work a full day and then drive that half an hour back and pick us up again. So kudos to her. She was an absolute trooper. Yeah. And then I went into Longreach for school for five days a week and then would head back out to the farm um, and help dad out on the property for the weekends and then got shipped off to boarding school. All the fun ones do. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) And um, ended up getting shipped off into Brisbane. Um, But probably at about that point, you know, that was around 2012, you know, it kind of the drought kicked in pretty heavily for us and we fully destocked our property in um, late 2012 and haven't restocked it since. So, um, oh, yeah, wow. it's, been a, it's been a little while, yeah. So, and, you know, that that's such a long time and such a strain financially, emotionally, you know, every, all of the things. So what, what made you really passionate about a career in agriculture? Obviously, yeah, that is a that's a rough experience to have as a kid growing up, um, seeing your parents get pushed through that kind of you know emotional and mental battle. Um, and it, uh, you know, I guess yeah, my parents were always really good to never you know push my brother or I um, too hard to you know there was it was always up to us if we wanted to come back to the land, um, and they were very clear with the struggles you know that they faced and also about the you know the benefits and the you know, the love and the passion that they had for it. So we could see both both sides of the coin um, on that. And I think, you know, just over the years as well, as I got a bit older and left school, uh, it kind of, I kind of woke up a bit more to the idea that, you know, agriculture wasn't all, you know, it wasn't the drought. Um, there was a lot more to it, um, you know, and that, you know, my parents were still happy and they were still, you know, running a thriving um, and, and very, you know, successful business. So, yeah, that's, I guess, my love and passion kind of reignited uh, I would say after school. Yeah nice and it's always lovely to hear when when you can see how that evolves and see how your parents or and their friends deal with those sort of high stress situations too. Mm. So what did you study at university? It was it was something completely biotechnology wasn't it? Engineering <laughs> and biotechnology so that doesn't scream um, the traditional agricultural career. No no it doesn't um, 
because you know I I uh, was reasonably um, successful at school, not not you know overachiever, but I you know did well in my maths and Englishes and etc. and science and got encouraged by you know career counsellors to go into well engineering and you know they kind of always said that engineering wasn't enough so you should do a dual degree um and i you know picked a i didn't want to do a flat old science so i picked biotechnology just kind of randomly i'd never done biology ended up rolling with that degree after my gap year um and that was an engineering and biotechnology dual degree at uq and yeah i guess in in the end you know after 18 months it just wasn't for me um i found it hard to apply myself properly you know it was a long Long journey, I guess, for me to um, for a five and a half year degree for I guess a growing interest in agriculture and wanting to get back into it sooner. So, and also at the same time, my parents were you know still struggling with drought and lack of staff and etc. out at the properties. So yeah, I took a break at that point back in I think it was in the middle of 2018. Took a break and headed out home and yeah, I haven't been back to uni since actually. So. Oh, yeah, right. You were also uh, one of the Haywire winners back in the day as well. And mm-hmm. Haywire, as we know, is is um, talking about rural issues through the eyes of the youth. So what prompted you to go into that competition and what and what did you write about? Yeah, well, I think like Haywire is a great topic for me because I can actually almost um, point back to Haywire as being one of the first times that showed me as a young kid and, you know, and a young Aussie on the opportunities that you can get by just sticking your hand up. Cause you know, I just got, I got pushed into Haywire, um, you know, nudged in there would be a better word for, um, by, by a family friend of ours that had also done it, um, the year prior and, you know, told me to throw, throw a story in. And, you know, I didn't really believe that, you know, anything I had to write was worthwhile, but the encouragement, you know, helped me just put something forward. And then obviously, um, for some reason, someone out there thought that uh, yeah, it was an interesting and a bit of a kooky story, and uh, it was a, it was a bit of a weird one. There, yeah, I was going to say, what's the story? story? I want to know the story. <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah, I actually ended up writing about it was it was during a, a pretty um, rough period out at um, Longreach, and because you know we're a hundred kilometres northwest uh, of Longreach, and you know there's a lot of dirt. There's about eighty k's of dirt road um, between us and Longreach, and so visitors are quite rare, and we. Um, you know, in the middle of the day, we had a car just driving down our um, driveway towards the house unannounced, and they ended up hopping out of the car at our house, and we came out to greet them, and I was inside, and it turned out they were just, um, I'm fairly sure they were from down in Victoria or southern New South Wales, and there were a couple, um, I think with a kid even, that were travelling, just giving uh, local farmers in the area just, you know, maybe 100 bucks worth of food that they'd picked up from the grocery store in Longreach so they you know they came in carrying um yeah just uh like a few cartons of food and my story was about that and also um it kind of centered around the piece it was a very weird story because you know they came in carrying a pumpkin and that was kind of something that that stuck in my brain as you know these strangers arriving in our farm 100 kilometers out of town with a pumpkin and um yeah it was just about like you know the the kindness and um empathy of strangers in a in a pretty tough period for us as a family so that is amazing, and that would really stick with you. Mm, there, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to take away from the fact that just by a little story or a few words on a piece of paper, that's a very small example of what you can do if um, you know you just put your own story out there. Like a lot of people value it more than you realise. So, so you are now working for a company called MEQ, and it's something that's quite dear to your heart and and passionate about. Tell us about what MEQ is. Yes, yeah, so MEQ, um, very simple acronym, stands for Meat Eating Quality. Um, we're a company that uh, utilises 
uh, machine learning. And um, for our core technology, we utilize lasers or, you know, just a very specific wavelength of light to um, measure red meat eating quality. And that's on a on a hot carcass, so in beef and lamb, um, on a kill floor within an abattoir. Um, so it's moving the supply chain, um, the data feedback for a supply chain a lot further back than it currently is, um, pretty much as far back as you can get for getting to a live animal. And then, you know, as a company as well, we've um, over the years, we've, we've diversified and built our core technology out so that we've got, you know, we've got cut surface cameras that can measure other traits on, on um, in red meat. And also we've got a live animal uh, marbling device, which can capture, um, yeah, quality attributes um, on a live animal in a feedlot or, or you know, in a, in, a, in a race or a crush. So, yeah, just as a, as a technology company, we're uh, kind of growing out to try and reimagine the way the red meat industry works and, and the, the way that we um, classify the quality of the meat we're eating. And surely this ties back to your, you know, engineering biotechnology start at university it sounds it sounds like some of those skills might have come in handy after all yeah look it's probably more about actually the interest or the common interest in you know it's it's very hard to get 18 months into into a degree and then um apply those learnings into something so niche as you know lasers and machine learning but it's definitely you know along the common theme of um you know innovation and and thinking about new ways to approach a problem that's kind of the learnings that you can take away from even yeah even 18 months of a degree so yeah i would i would hope that um yes there's some there's some crossover and it wasn't 18 months down the drain but <laughs> exactly so now you're you're focused on that eating quality and getting data around that and you know that's a really consumer driven focus for the whole industry at the moment why do you think there is so much focus on the actual eating quality and how we have dealt with it up until now and where are we headed? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, protein is worth so, so much right now. And, it, you know, it's, it's showing no signs of slowing down um, the industry. You know, I've, I've experienced times when protein wasn't worth much and cattle, you know, weren't selling for much. And right now we're in a period where, the consumer is paying, you know, already exorbitant amounts of money for their meat and they want, you know, guarantee around um, the price and the quality that they are receiving for the for the price that they are paying. So I think it's just becoming more and more, you know, prominent and especially as the consumer becomes also more and more comfortable with the idea of, you know, health benefits and whatnot from different um, varieties of meat, different proteins, you know, amino acids, etc. So, I think as the consumers become more and more aware of what they're eating and more and more um, health conscious of what they're eating, I think as they're also paying that money, then we as a supply chain need to figure out how can we get the consumer to be happy with paying that premium or that, that high cost of our Australian meat while getting a very consistent and high quality eating experience. So how much information do you think consumers really need? Like if you're going to buy a steak and you you know you're weighing up between a roast chicken tonight or a lamb chop and a beautiful steak, what kind of information do they want? It's really tricky because I think you know the average consumer, and it's you know everyone knows that the average consumer, especially people in the in the red meat game, that we can look at the average consumer and know that you know they don't yeah they don't they don't really know or care a lot about um some of the acronyms or the you know or the words that we ascribe to to different meats i think they're fairly well educated on what the difference between grass fed and grain fed is um and they're starting to pick the differences between those but i think 
honestly, the, the biggest key point and the biggest immediate value for the industry, in my opinion, is not feeding the consumer that information too much, but ensuring that, consu- that the consumer is always getting the eating experience that they are um, looking for or that they are purchasing. So less about, um, you know, we don't need to bamboozle. We definitely don't need to make red meat more complicated because, honestly, the consumers start to just get confused. And, you know, if, if they start to see different acronyms and different percentages or different scores attributed to different cuts of meat, then they're going to not know, you know, exactly what are they meant to do with that cut. So it's just about making sure that they're always happy with what they've bought. Yeah. And I think that that also comes back to, you know, if you're getting mince or, or a, a lower quality sort of stewing meat or something, and it's a lower score, and but then you can go and buy a high scoring piece of chicken. It's sort of, you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck because it's got a high score. Yet, mm. you know, it, it's equally as nutritious and delicious. It's just a different score differently because you probably prepare it a bit differently. So, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see what you mean that it just would get highly confusing. I realize MEQ is focused on other meats besides beef, but, you know, we are the Beef Australia podcast. So, I'm going to, to flout that. How do we ensure that beef will continue to be a popular option of consumers when they are more informed, as you say? Beef's still got a lot of room, I feel like, for for growth because it is, yeah, it's still a really competitive market with other proteins. But in terms of, you know, a lot of Australian beef is exported and we've got a really um, strong export market. And I think people are more and more interested internationally in, yeah, in the quality that we can supply. It is it is tricky um, fighting with fighting with prices. Um, that's always going to be something difficult for us. But, you know, I think I think as as we progress, what we want to do, so MEQ, what we're trying to do ideally uh, in the long run is turn, you know, red meat processes from low margin, high volume businesses to high volume, high margin businesses. So making sure that even, you know, your more commodity um, and your lo- the traditionally lower turnover carcasses potentially um, being able to grade them uh, easily and quickly as well would hopefully unlock um, for the industry you know, a bit more room to start actually building, I guess, what you would call premium budget brands. So ensuring that consumers that still look for a budget cut can get, you know, a consistent and top quality cut amongst them. So, yeah, I think we've got a lot of room. There's always unlocked potential. Uh, And consumers are getting, as you've seen with the Wagyu and Angus side of things uh, in beef, you know, consumers are getting more and more aware of what that means for them and, you know, the guarantee that they can get from those potentially from those breeds. Absolutely. Now you just uh, MEQ just announced uh, your first commercial partner or clients, I guess, through Australian Country Choice and Greenham. What does that mean for you as a business? How do you start to to see some of the ideas that you've just been mentioning come into to play? Yeah, look, it's massive for us. Um, with you know, I'm super super excited about you know ACC and Greenham's coming on board. They yeah they've they've been our um, two first beef commercial partners. Luckily we've you know we've also had commercial partners as well um, on the sheep side. But in beef yeah it, it, it unlocks a lot for us because you know uh, it gives us the chance to work with them um, on developing very novel ways to grade and sort their carcasses um, within the plant. You know ensuring that they're always consistent. Um, it gives us people that we can work with closely to develop new measures as well, just not the existing ones. Um, yeah, I think like intramuscular fat is starting to play. You know, it's it's just kind of become accredited by the industry um, as, a, as a trait that you can measure your technology against. So that'll be exciting to see, you know, as a technology, what we can do in that space. And 
how we can change yeah change the way we we grade beef you know this is all technology great that you're talking about and, and the work that you do every day but you've had some success with uh, meat judging yourself haven't you so is that is that through like that, that's that's a very different concept but i guess of course they they marry together very well so what what made you first really interested in going and and judging meat yeah it's uh it's, it, it is a it's obviously a close crossover um going from meq to to meat judging I think what really interested me was uh, learning more about what has the industry done for the last 20 plus years. Um, you know, I'm obviously coming into it as a technology provider that is trying to change the way we do it, but it's always really important to, or in my opinion, it's always really important to know what has the industry done currently and I guess why have they done it. Um, yeah, so learning a bit more about meat judging and how to visually do that as a human um, assessor would uh, was, yeah, super important for me and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the opportunity to um But you cleaned up. You cleaned up as well. You had the uh, champion retail cuts and saleable items uh, overall. <laughs> Actually, you were the champion individual overall, so you must have been okay. This. Did the MEQ give you a bit of an insight as to what you're looking for or is this just a hidden skill you didn't realise you had? Um, oh, you look, probably a bit of both. Um yeah, it's it's hard to say. I think maybe uh, maybe I had a little bit of an advantage by the fact that I've spent yeah a few years around <laughs> um, beef carcasses. Yeah, it, yeah. I think I think that would have helped. Yes, but, I think so. Yeah. Not just prowling <laughs> butchers in Brisbane, you know, checking out their their different kinds of rump. It's it's exactly it's, yeah. <laughs> what kind of opportunities does that present to you because I've, I've spoken to people many times before uh in in that particular industry and it again opens doors that you that you don't expect mm-hmm. yeah like icmj um i would encourage you know any young people out there especially you know that are that are at uni um and you know i, I participated as an industry participant um which is also extremely valuable for especially along the networking and kind of getting a business name out there etc but definitely as a um university participant it's amazing for people that are you know chasing good connections and jobs um within the industry because you know everyone there uh, and everyone i've ever met that has been involved with icmj has been you know very interesting very accommodating and also just very exciting and you know keen to help that next generation um get a big foothold and in you know in the door so um oh, i would just say you know for me especially you know I, i've come out of that with some great insight you know great connections um and a lot of people you know a lot of people to talk to about um you know where the space is going you know as we move forward yeah, absolutely and now you are a bit of, of a captain of all of the next gen opportunities i have to say when you go when you start looking into some of the things that you're involved with uh it's, it's incredible uh your late one of your more recent, I guess, committees is the, of course, the Beef Australia's Next Gen Committee, which is starting to get off the ground. Why did you take an interest in this particular committee? Yeah, look, I think it stems a long way back. You know, the Beef Week uh, has always been, you know, very close to my heart. Um, growing up in Central Queensland, you know, my parents have always been, you know, very involved and keen. My family's always um, excited about it. You know, every three years, and then you know, hearing about the Next Gen Committee um, and the work that we could do to make sure that Beef 2024 was, you know, as amazing as good and as good for that next generation of, um, you know, farmers and people involved in agriculture to come through. That's just something that, yeah, it resonated very strongly with me. You know, it's it's something that I can hopefully feed back into Beef Week and Beef Australia as we go forward and 
um, yeah, give people, you know, similar opportunities that I've been given. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in my life, so it's, it's, it's definitely a good chance for me to help others follow the same path. So what, what's your favourite memories of beef? Like you've obviously been to a few and yeah. uh, you're only young. So what, what, do you, what do you recall? Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, especially as he, like when I was, when I was, you know, a proper, proper little kid um, going to beef week, uh, it was, it was just mind blowing, um, you know, seeing the sorts of things that I didn't even know existed in the industry, honestly. Um, I think, I think like what, my, what do my, you remember? Oh geez, I remember. I remember seeing, and I'm talking. You know, my first beef week. I must have been pre ten. Uh, I don't even. You know, I can't even quite recall exactly how old I was. But I vividly recall. You know, seeing all all types of innovations with um, different like machines, like tractors, and then different ways and tools and ways to fix fences. And uh, I think I vividly remember. Um, you know, when I was really young, um, new ways to pull up pickets and that from a fence. And I I knew that I was. You know, I was there as a kid that dad had been out putting me under, you know, cleaning up old fences. And I thought, God, this is, you know, this is something yeah, that I Yeah, dad, get this home. one. This is yeah, a much better idea. Yeah, I didn't care about the cost at that point. But, no. Um, yeah, no. So, and then, you know, as, as I get older, you know, I just, I, um, to be honest, as you get older, Beef Week is a, it's, yeah, connections would be, you know, the next best thing from Beef Week to come out of it. Oh, it's um, incredibly social. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, you can, you can run into anyone and everyone um and you could you know especially for young people going into it you know i hope you come out of it with you know the ability to potentially get a new job um or you know or, or have a potential connection for a job as you come out of it so yeah absolutely so who well we can't really talk too much about the committee as it's only just in that forming phase but what's the focus so far can you give us a little bit of insight of it as to you know where you're headed and some of the ideas that are kicking around at the moment yeah, look, I can, yeah, as, as you said, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely early days, you know, as a committee, we're just starting to come together and um, link up, you know, we're all from different areas of Australia, but, you know, on, on my end, uh, you know, a big focus that I want uh, us as a committee to have going forward is, you know, how do we ensure that every young person that is involved in Beef Week 2024 uh, walks away with, you know, really tangible, you know, outtakes from it. Uh, I want them to, make sure that it's not just, you know, a week of fun, you walk away and, you know, you, you fondly remember it. I, I really I really want people to walk away with, you know, 10 contacts in their phone of of people that they can call um, and and connect with within the industry. So it's about figuring out, yeah, how do you how do you make these connections last and how do you make them actually follow through with it? Uh, it's it's really important to help young people um, learn how to how to foster those connections. Yeah, and I think too, it seems that the, the, this generation coming through are a lot savvier than some of their previous generations, and it isn't just about going and drinking beer for the for the entire time. There actually is real value in going to, to seminars and and networking and connecting with people, as you say too. Yeah, absolutely. How do you hope or to highlight the the, the value of, of the information available as well? I think I'm taking as well a few learnings from previous events and conferences that I've, you know, been lucky enough to participate in. But something that I'm, you know, just super passionate about is there's always, you know, I, I love seminars and different talking points and panels, but what I always want to see come out of them and what I would like to try and, you know, ho hopefully try and integrate into Beef Week would be, you know, the ability for young people to be able to connect with those people uh, who are up there on the stage talking uh, much closely, much more closely, you know, um, with contact details, a lot of, you know, a lot of these conferences, um, you have to kind of hope that you run into them or bump into them afterwards and then, you know, potentially get their details. I would love to just 
create a way for people to um, actually connect a bit bit more easily um, and, you know, reach out to them at a later date. So make it a bit more intimate by the sounds of it. You want things yeah, to be more yeah. intimate. And maybe a bit more time to digest things because I think, you know, there's so much available at the moment that it is just you go from one seminar to the next to the next to the next and even miss the beginning of the next one because you're still – you know, trying to get across to the other side of the ring. But there's a lot of value in, as you say, is that sort of percolating afterwards and, and yeah, talking it through with the people in the room. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, maybe send out summaries uh, to, to all of the participants in, you know, of what happened exactly in that in that particular seminar or meeting. And, yeah, just, just something to something to help people reflect and recall and then contact those people if they are interested. Yeah, but there you go. All these big ideas, this is going to be great. I can't wait to see what you all come up with and I'm sure we'll hear from quite a few of the other members of the Next Gen Committee. I do want to ask you because the big focus of, of MEQ and the work that you do and, and I guess a lot of your work is is crystal ball gazing and we've been talking about you know the eating quality is the big focus for consumers now. What else do you think is, is on the horizon? What are we looking out for? Yeah, there's well, it's there's a few things, and it's always going to be, it's going to be tricky um, because it's always going to be influenced by price. Price is always, you know, price price drives it, and then and then factors that influence that price kind of follow along and get dragged along behind it. And that's the same with quality. You know, people people won't pay that premium if they don't believe that that quality actually matches up with what they think that premium is. So. Um, but in terms of fine sky things, so you know, things that consumers might start to dig deeper into. Um, Definitely, you know your your fatty acid um, compounds and and different different health benefits along with um, you know different amino acids etc. So, but it's a it's a niche again. I think if if the greater consumer trend is going to be, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be can can I have a guaranteed eating experience every single time? So it's not it's not about it's not about outliers. Yeah, it's mm. extreme consistency. I think because. Price is going to demand that there is no drop in consistency whatsoever. Such a demanding lot, aren't we, consumers? So (laughs) annoying. Uh, There is a question that all participants in the Beef Australia podcast get asked. And as, you know, a meat quality expert and a meat judge, what is your favourite cut of beef? Not for fancy show-off dinner party, hot date kind of scenario. It's Mm -hmm. what are you cooking on on an average Wednesday night? Mm. Well, oh, it's, look, I might be a bit biased because of my um, exposure to, you know, top end um, cuts in quality. Yeah. <laughs> I like this already. Go go. <laughs> look, uh, honestly, honestly though, I think I I kind of skew towards. Uh, I just have to skew towards a a good porterhouse can be hard to beat. Why porterhouse? Uh, I don't know. It just there's something about it. I, I think it. I think you know what. I'm I'm probably also being influenced here by. Uh, it, it can be the cheaper cut of a meat, you know, it, it's cheaper than your scotch. And and yet, to me, you can get a very similar eating experience. Um, you know, you can get great marbling through them. Um, yeah, ugh, they're, they're hard to beat, I think, um, especially if you're cooking for your friends on a, yeah, on a casual Wednesday. It's um, it's easy to cook up, you know, a couple of porterhouses and, and also save the budget a bit. Yeah, exactly. What do you serve with it? Oh, oh, I'm I'm a I'm a grilled halloumi and uh, and a and a good kind of Greek salad type of guy. Well, that so. sounds delicious. I'm coming to yeah. your house. That's well, amazing. Plain and simple, plain and simple. Excellent. Okay. Well, look. Thank you so much for your time today, Cullen. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, and we're very excited about what the Next Gen Committee will uh, treat us with for Beef Twenty Four. Uh, so are we, Jane. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. That was Cullen Daly, one of the Next Gen Committee members for Beef Twenty Four. 
In the next episode, we'll be hearing from one of the Australian beef industry stalwarts in Don Heatley, a North Queensland grazier and former MLA chairman, among many other things. Until then, I'm Jane Cudahy. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you're enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.